this is the fourth week in uh, our series that we began in January about uh, confidence in uncertain times. I don't think um, you, you would disagree with the fact that we're living in uncertain times, but we are. So many things around us are uncertain. And uh, as we look today at uh, with the sermon title, to Keep the Faith, uh, the reason for that challenge is because sometimes in these uncertain times, we get our eyes off of Jesus, and that's where we began talking about um, how we uh, have confidence in uncertain times as the focus on Jesus. And we get our eyes off of Jesus, and we, we tend to um, need to be reminded that we have a, a confident faith, um, even when life is uncertain. Uh, I was reminded of the words that Paul wrote to young Timothy when he said to him, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. The New King James says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, why are those words coming to my mind thinking about this? Well, in uncertain times, I think that we as believers oftentimes have a tendency to become kind of hesitant about living our faith. We become kind of timid in sharing our faith. Well, we're not really timid in sharing our faith. We just don't really do it, do we? Um, and we're fearful uh, because of what's going on uh, around us in the culture where we're living. And for that reason, we don't have that bold, contagious, dynamic faith that we're supposed to have. And some live as if they have not kept the faith. See, we live in a world uh, that's rapidly changing. But this is the world of our reality. This is what we know. We've not lived in another world, right? Uh, this is the world that we know. It's uncertain at best, and it presents tremendous challenges to us. And then you think about what our faith calls us to do. Our faith causes us to believe in a God and an eternal dwelling place of perfection that for the time being, we cannot see or feel or experience using any of our five senses. And that's where sometimes then this fear or timidity comes in rather than power and love and a sound mind in our faith. See, this world is the only world we know. And we know the reality of it. Some days are better than others. Some days are just absolutely brutal. You know that. And just trying to survive sometimes causes us to lose sight of the blessings of God and the vision for the future that our faith really gives to us. So the issue is in keeping the faith, in whom or what do you have your faith? And we got a, a on-the-street interview with some people asking them that question. There's some interesting dialogues and some interesting answers. I want you to pay careful attention to this. Faith is believing in yourself. Well, believing in something that you can believe in. That's faith to me. Faith is being faithful to God, being faithful to yourself, life, people in general. Faith is a belief in someone or something to give you hope to meet your daily needs, get through life. Faith is belief in a higher being, supreme being, God. What do you have faith in? Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator, second person of the Godhead, deity in bodily form. That's why I have faith in Jesus of Nazareth. Is it possible for a person to lose their faith? 
I believe a person can lose their faith as far as actually lose their salvation. That's different. As far as lose their faith, yes, I believe people lose their faith all the time. What, in terms of religion or something? Yeah. Well, that's what you believe in. Pretty much. That's it. And what do you believe in? I'm a Catholic. <laughs> so, whatever I was taught when I was a kid. Pretty much stopped. Is it possible for a person to lose their faith? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm getting drunk, you lose a lot of things. I did. <laughs> What's next? There's a boss to get your faith back. Oh yeah, when you sober it up. Then you go, God, I can't do this again. And then you go, oh, wait a minute, okay. And you go, wait, oh shit, I got some more money. Okay, okay. Faith is something that you believe in. Faith is something that can guide you through life. It's what you believe in. What do you have faith in? I have faith in uh, just about everything. I have faith in the world, my future. Is it possible for a person to lose their faith? Yes, it is. I think when they get discouraged, I think when, you know, bad things happen to them, when they have bad luck, they'll, they'll lose their faith. But over time, they'll find it again. What do you believe in? God. That's it. Yeah. Is it possible for a person to lose their faith? Sure. Is it possible for a person to get their faith back? You bet. Um, some interesting answers. I would hope that somebody would ask you, who or what do you believe in, that you could be like the one guy that nailed it. You know, he said Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know, Jesus, the second person of the Godhead. Uh, Jesus Christ, the Savior, you know. Uh, and rather than saying, like, you know, what do you believe in? He said, well, I'm, I'm Catholic, you know. I would hope you wouldn't say, well, I'm Baptist, because that doesn't tell people really much about what you believe. But if you answer by saying, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no doubt about where your faith might be. Now, this whole letter of Hebrews, uh, some people really do not like the book of Hebrews because they say it causes some problems for them in understanding it. I, I, I really love it because it really elevates the Lord Jesus Christ so much in there and tells us that he's above uh, mankind, he's above angels, uh, he's above the high priest, he is our great, he acts like our great high priest, but nothing can compare to him. And then the other thing that it does is it challenges us in our faith to keep the faith. There's a constant reminder woven all the way through in many different verses, like in chapter 2, verse 1, chapter 3, verses 6 and 14, chapter 4, verse 14, chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Then you go to chapter 10, the great passage that it talks about, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And then we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, 1, 2, 3, and we've looked at that earlier. All of those are things, admonition and encouragement for these Hebrew uh, Christians to keep the faith, uh, to persevere in the faith. And the reason for it is they were going through times of, of very, very hard persecution, times of great difficulty. And what was happening was, since they had come out of Judaism and confessing Christ now as Lord, and they were believers in Christ, followers after Christ, they were Christians probably, or followers of the way, uh, they were having a tendency to think, you know, life wasn't that hard when we, would, when we followed Judaism. Maybe we need to go back to that. And so the writer to them is saying, in spite of the fact that you have been discouraged and fearful and abused, keep the faith. That's what he's saying to them. Keep the faith. They weren't thinking clearly. They didn't have that sound mind so that they would claim the spirit of a strong faith and a strong mind rather than being timid in their faith. See, to encourage these timid, fearful believers in uncertain times, the writer writes to them some very strong words. 
Now, before we get to the text, a couple of other things I want us to, to look at. Um, he gives them two sources of encouragement here um, that he meant to, re- to remind them of about why they should keep the faith. The first one is what they actually did and how they responded when they were first believers sometime back in times of persecution. And this is what he said to them in chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. He said, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. See, they stood their ground. They were strong and firm in their belief. So sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Now look at what takes place in there, what he reminded them that they had done. They had remained faithful in spite of terrible suffering. They were exposed to public ridicule. They were persecuted. They helped others who were persecuted. They stood side by side with them. They showed sympathy to those who were jailed because of their faith. They lost all that they had. And then here's the real outstanding thing about their faith. In verse 34, he says, they accepted it and did it all with joy. And yet these people at this particular time are kind of starting to waver in their faith. So he says, remember this. And then the second thing he does is in the following chapter, chapter 11. And we're going to focus right in the middle, verses 13 through 16. But if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, then you know that chapter 11 is the story of all the heroes and heroines from the Old Testament. And this can absolutely be called the roll call of the faithful. And, and what's so interesting to notice are the names that he, he refers to, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Some of those you're probably more familiar with than some of the other ones. And then he says, time and space did not permit him to tell about all the saints who had gone before and everything that they had experienced. But he said they kept the faith. And then right in the middle of it here, uh, we find this list of qualities that enabled them to keep the faith. And that's what he shares with these believers in this letter to the Hebrews. But before we look at that text, I want us to uh, notice something else about the challenge to keep the faith in, in chapter 10 as it closes. And then the definition of faith that he gives at the beginning of chapter 11. He says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Now, that's his challenge to him. Don't throw away your confidence. Keep the faith. It will be richly rewarded. And then what is the definition of faith that he gives? Well, look at uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. He says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So there's that challenge that he gives to them. And then there's the definition of faith. 
Now, look with me or look at the screen or on your phone or your Bible app or whatever, however you're following along on the Scripture or Bible in the pew or whatever. In chapter 11, verses 13 through 16, this is what the writer says and challenges their faith and ours as well to keep the faith. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, I find five, I think, spiritual qualities of these heroines and heroes of the faith that he points out that enable them to keep the faith in spite of their persecution. If you, if, if you haven't read the 11th chapter of Hebrews lately, read it. I sat down one more time last night and read through it. And just stand amazed at these people in the Old Testament time, how they stood strong in their faith through persecutions. They were, they were abused. They were persecuted. Some of them, he said, were sawn in half. They had to go around in sheep's clothing and all of those kinds of things. But yet they kept the faith. Why? How were they able to do that? Well, sometimes we need these examples as reminders to us. And I'm hoping that these five spiritual qualities that I've found will speak to you today. You could be going through a time of timidity in your faith or a time of fear in these uncertain times about your faith. And you're just wondering, is it worth it to live this Christian life? Is it worth it to claim the Christian faith? Let me tell you, absolutely, and here are five reasons what these Old Testament heroes and heroines exhibited for us. Number one, they lived with confidence in the faithfulness of God. In verse 13, he begins by saying, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. See, all of these Old Testament heroes and heroines died with the dream unfulfilled. But they died confident in what God had promised he would make come to pass. See, God's promises for a better place to live, were deeply ingrained in their hearts. And their dream was for a place where they would live for eternity, where sin and death would not plague them anymore. And to their dying breath, they believed that God was faithful and he would provide what he said he would provide. Now, what does that say to us? Well, it says as people of faith, sometimes we even have our dreams and hopes shattered. Sometimes they lie broken and, and tangled at our feet. But we cannot give up the faith. We have to press on. Because God has promised and in his faithfulness, he will give to us the fulfillment of all the dreams that he has placed within our heart. We might not see them now in this world, but in the world to come. And that's what these Old Testament saints died with in that hope. They kept the faith even to the end, confident in God's promises. Then there's a second observation. They lived in conflict with the culture around them. And I think that that is so relevant for us today that we really need to hear. 
Verse 13 goes on to say, they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. In other words, they were saying they knew this wasn't their home. Beyond that, they also were saying their values and their priorities were not the values and priorities of the prevailing culture around them. They knew they belonged to another world. Their citizenship was there in heaven. And so they refused to blend in with the culture. They refused to become permanently entangled with the temporal. And you and I are called to live that same way. But it's an unfortunate thing in our culture today that there's sometimes no distinguishing mark or line between believers and non-believers. Because there's very little difference in attitudes about life, very little difference in attitude about sin, very little difference in attitudes about lifestyle. And so we, we have to refuse to blend in. We've got to be like these Old Testament saints in conflict with the culture that is around us. And listen to what Peter says that we are called to be. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And then he goes on to say in chapter 2, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, we are not people of the darkness anymore. We're people of the light. And we should live so that we declare the excellencies of God the Father. That phrase, strangers and aliens, uh, that's attested to all the way through the Bible. In the Old Testament, uh, narratives, the patriarchs and their descendants defer, de- refer to themselves as aliens and strangers. And Peter said in 1 Peter 2.11, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So what he says to us is that people of faith have a clear witness. We enjoy the world in which we live. We enjoy the blessings of this world that God has given to us. But we don't settle for this world. We have our focus somewhere else, and so we don't live like this world lives. We have a different set of principles. We have a different set of values. We live with our focus on the eternal, not the temporary. Now, here's a third observation about their life, and that is, They lived with the promise of an eternal home. Verse 14, he said, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. That is, when they talked about being aliens and strangers here. And they were aliens and strangers seeking their home. Their hearts were set in heaven. Their citizenship was there. And from Genesis on, the scriptures never allow us to lose sight of the fact that there is woven all the way through the Scriptures this concept of journeying on towards fulfillment. See, it begins in the Old Testament when we look at these patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. They journeyed from one location to find their home and a permanent dwelling in another place. And then it progresses to the nation of Israel who made their way into Egypt during the time of the famine so that Joseph could take care of them there. 
And then they became slaves and captives there in Egypt. And then eventually Moses had to lead them out onto the journey to the promised land. And when they entered into the promised land, they had to deal with strange cultures. And some of them, instead of doing battle with that culture as God told them to do, they they intermarried. They did not do battle. They did not kick out all the enemies. And as a result of that, they compromised their faith. And so God put them in exile. He took them out of their country and put them in exile more than once. Some of them returned under Nehemiah. And then we move on into the New Testament. And we see that this journey continues because Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and he journeyed to earth. His ministry took him to many different places as he journeyed. And even in his birth narrative, we know that his parents had to journey and travel. They had to leave their home in Nazareth and go to Bethlehem for his birth. Then they had to flee to Egypt for his safety. When when the coast was clear, they came back and settled back, and they did so in Nazareth. And when Jesus began his ministry, he wandered. He was an itinerant preacher all over ancient Palestine. And then ultimately, Jesus went to Jerusalem, and he went to the cross, and there he died in our place, yours and mine for our sins. And then, after his resurrection, he commissioned his followers to take the word of God and the message of the kingdom to the ends of the earth and that call for traveling. And one in particular we point out is Paul, who was perhaps the chief of all the missionaries. And we know through the book of Acts that he had at least three missionary journeys. Now, people of faith realize that we're on a journey. That this is not all there is to life. But we're on a journey, constantly moving towards that which God has promised for us. So I would say to you, enjoy your surroundings without being a victim to the sin that entices you. See, be in conflict with the culture around you because that's what people of faith really do. That's what we're called to do is to change that culture. And here's the fourth observation, and that is they did distinguish between the temporal and the eternal. See, they did not merely anticipate heaven But they evaluated everything on earth in terms of what was promised to them about eternity in heaven. They saw the futility of giving their lives to the things of that culture. They saw the futility of living and valuing things that were temporal and temporary at best above that which was of eternal value. They knew that to give their lives to those things of this kingdom were, were misplacing their time and their ability. And so they focused on the kingdom that was yet to come, promised by God, but yet they died without seeing. And then here's the fifth observation I make, and that is they lived and they died in the security of God's blessings. Verse 16 says, instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. See, people of faith live with the assurance and the confidence that we will inherit God's blessings and all the provisions he has promised us. And that's our security. Even in uncertain times. Even in a shaky economy, even in a society that's in flux and lived at the speed of blur. See, that's how these Old Testament saints impact our lives today and challenge us to keep the faith. 
And I want to make four other observations as we close and some applications for these uncertain times in which we live that come from the lives just sketched out here for us in this 11th chapter of Hebrews about these heroes and heroines of the faith. The first one is they challenge the things or people in which we put our confidence. So suppose you were one of these characters on the video today and somebody asked you on the street, what do you believe in? What would you tell them? See, they, they challenge us to our belief system and well, where we put our confidence. In my reading through the Bible plan, which I'm doing on a, on a Bible app on my phone, after we read through the Old Testament part of Genesis and had New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs mixed in it every day, then we skipped to the book of Job. If you haven't read the book of Job in a while, you need to go back and read that. Poor old Job. You know, what a, what a, what a time of testing he went through. But, but in chapter 13... He says this, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in God. See, that, that's the kind of absolute faith that we need to have as we go through life in this world. And these Old Testament saints, they challenge the things in which we put our confidence. So we need to keep the faith. Secondly, they confront our cowardice. Let's, let's admit that fact. We don't always live with that spirit of power, do we, and a sound mind. But, but, but we have a greater tendency to live with timidity or fear about being a believer. Opportunities come for us to, to live our faith and to share our faith. And we're so afraid of messing up the plan of salvation or offending somebody or being ridiculed for being a believer that we let those opportunities pass. Look at these Old Testament saints. They were willing to be martyred. Because of what they believed. They were willing to endure rather than blend in with the culture and compromise. We should not compromise on our faith or our behavior at all. Then, uh, thirdly, they rebuke our materialism. I don't know of any time in this country's existence that we have uh, been blessed more abundantly than now. And that we have also accumulated and hoarder more than any other time than right now. You know, you can look in your own garage. I can look at mine as a testimony to that. Um, yesterday, it was an interesting thing that Cookie decided it was time for me to downsize, and so it was time to clean out my chest of drawers. I don't know why it was on mine. But for the first time in a long time, I did not grudgingly give up things. I mean, there was a drawer there that was reserved for nothing but South Carolina, University of South Carolina, 2010-2011, baseball World Series championship T-shirts. I don't know how many were in there. Nobody touched them. They were sacred. I even gave up some of those. Some of them were in a storage box that we kept for later times, but I shared some with, the, with my sons-in-law, so, you know. But we started to downsize. I told Cookie, I said, we're going through yours next. I'm going to do it. <laughs> but you think about the materialism that holds us captive. These Old Testament saints, they left this world and took nothing with them. And you know what? So will you and I. That challenges our materialism. 
And then fourthly, they, ins- they inspire our obedience. They, they were obedient to the faith and to the God of the faith. And I love the way that Hebrews 16 ends, that it tells us that God is not ashamed to be called our God. And that is if we're obedient to the faith. Now, we know we live in uncertain times. We can affirm that in many different ways. But we've also affirmed the fact that the Bible was written in uncertain times to people who were going through uncertain times. And and as we go through these uncertain times today, the book of Hebrews and these Old Testament saints in, in Hebrews 11 challenge us to keep the faith. And, and that's the challenge for us in these times of uncertainty to know our source of confidence comes from our faith in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we have to keep the faith because there's our only hope. There's our power of making it through. There's our reason for existing. And there's our hope for eternity. So I challenge you to keep the faith in these uncertain times. Father, we thank you that you have recorded for us these words from ancient times that describe for us and show uh, in such a sometimes brutal fashion the result of the people from the past and Old Testament characters living by faith and being obedient to the word and, and not wanting to blend in with their culture. Father, let that be a challenge to us. Uh, May we here at Spring Valley Baptist be such a a people that we won't blend in with the culture, but we will stand and we will be different. We will proclaim the gospel. We will proclaim the kingdom of our God and Father and the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, help us to, to, to be faithful and obedient as we keep the faith for your glory and your honor.